Hi guys, uh, the episode that you're just about to listen to is generously sponsored by our affiliates Board Game Crate. Board Game Crate uh, provide a monthly subscription service where they get fresh new games delivered straight to your door. Just head over to www.boardgamecrate.co.uk and furthermore, if you use our discount code UnluckyFrogIsAwesome, all lowercase, all one word, you'll get a cheeky little discount. It's easy to remember because it's true. Mm. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Porter, joined by co-host Charlotte Porter this week. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, we have a guest, don't we? do we? have a guest. Yeah, yes. we're joined by Sen Fung. How are you doing, Sen? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very well, yes, thank you. Sen, good. you have quite a few gaming credits under your belt just now. Would, would you like to rhyme a few of them off for us? Sure. Um, I guess it all started with Belfort. That would be, you know, our big step into the game industry uh, almost, you know, seven, eight years ago now. Uh, we actually had a game published before that, but Belfort was actually the game that got signed first. And being a, you know, medium to heavyweight Euro, it was the one that really got us recognized in the industry. Since then, we've gone on to produce a lot of other games, such as Akrotiri, which is a two-player game that's uh, still very highly rated amongst fans, and Junkart, which is a dexterity game. And, um, you know, we do lots of stuff. We've worked a lot in licensed products. So we've done licensed games for The Godfather, for Orphan Black, which is a television show, Mm -hmm. um, for Batman, the animated series, for Dragon Ball Super... Um, lots and lots and lots of stuff. So yeah, games. Is it fair to say that you were a game designer before it was cool? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was a game designer when not everybody else was a game designer, uh, and that's okay. I, I mean, I've been a I've been designing games since I was probably around six years old. Oh, wow. um, just a wee lad in the basement of a university, playing games with you know twenty year olds and thinking, how can I make this better? And then I went and did it, and that's why I do what I do now, I guess. It's yeah. living the dream. The living rest the of the yeah. say is history. So we're going to dive into what sends up yep. up to um, in, a, in a bit more depth later on. But we do have a couple of bits of news. We do, we do, we do. One of them is uh, particularly weighty, mm-hmm. it has to be said. Um, Spiel de Yaris yes, nominations, nominations yes. for 2019 have been announced. So... Um, as usual, uh, I don't think we've played any of these yet. <laughs> We're yep. always a bit late to Yeah, a bit to late to the party. Um, so what we'll do is we'll just uh, rattle through the nominations in each category and then we'll pick them at bits. Yeah. So the Spiel de Aris, um, the the nominations for this year are Just One, Llama and Where Words. Uh, have you played any of these, Sin? Yeah, I've played Weirwords and I've played just one. Uh, I haven't played Llama yet unless it's a re-implementation of something else, but I don't think it is. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, But just one is a game where 
it's really it's actually really simple and quite um ingenious like the spin that they put on it so have you ever played categories yes okay so in categories it's a game where there's a thing and we all come up with a related word and if you have the same related word as me we both don't score yeah right so imagine that similar type of mechanism in a game where a person is trying to guess the word we don't know the word the word is being guessed and we are all giving clues to that person and the clues we give them can't match another person's yeah. clues so they'll they will eventually get less and less clues if we all think alike uh, and so um weird words is a game uh i've only played it once and i've only played the english version so i'm not sure what's happened to the other version um i'm sure it's the exact same so yeah i've played that as well and it's it's a good game too so i'm looking forward to playing llama at yes. some time I, I usually do make point of trying to play most of the Spieliars um, nominees. I think I've played almost all of them so far, but it's it's not really like a bucket list thing that I go out and hunt them down. But, you know, you play enough games that you're eventually going to play uh, most of the Spieliars winners or, or nominees because they are just good games in, in that regard. Now, they're not necessarily my pick for good games, but they're they're good games, you know what I mean? I suppose the other thing, um, and we, we really emphasised this when we spoke about it last year that I think a lot of people forget, is that there's a, a, a very apparent bias towards the German industry and the German market with the Spiel de Jahres nominations, down to the fact that to be on the Spiel de Jahres committee, you have to be a member of German-speaking gaming media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the games have to be produced in German. Yeah, yeah. right. And so because it, it is not a uh, it's not a world um, award, it's 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 a German award. Yeah. And so we have to recognize that. We have to also recognize that they may not suit our needs because they're really looking at it from a family perspective, um, based on the hobby in Germany being family oriented. Uh, if you've ever been to Essen, it's families and families and families and families and families. It's not um, it's not like it is necessarily over here at Gen Con, where it's like if you see kids, that's a rarity. Yeah. There's more and more kids being involved in the hobby stateside and in Canada. Uh, however, in Germany, the culture has been for a long time anyways, that hobby gaming is for a family to participate in together. What is interesting about the the Spiel de Jahres nominations this year is that they're all uh, very lightweight cards, uh, card-based mm-hmm. party games yeah. as well, which, like Sen's saying, the, the Spiel de Jahres nominations have always been more like family games, yeah. but not necessarily light, if that yeah. makes sense. I mean, the, yeah. last year's winner was Azul, which right. is not a particularly light game, and obviously it's you got a fair well, the heavy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you got a fair amount of components there, yeah. haven't you? But I mean, I think all of these games are probably under the the twenty euros mark and seem very accessible. I would say as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I would agree that these are very accessible games, both rules wise, cost wise, yeah. size wise. They're not going to take up a lot of, of space on your shelf or your table. Yeah. Um, Azul. 
uh, isn't a super complex game, but it definitely has, you know, production value in terms of the tiles, the board, the little circles that you have things lying on that you don't really need, but they're nice to have anyways, um, which is definitely different than like just one is a deck of cards and a bunch of whiteboards and markers. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting to see that the uh, the type of games between the various awards have polarized somewhat, and it'll be interesting to see if that's just been a coincidence or if that's something that we'll see more going forward. Because the the three Kennerspiel de Yaris games are all suitably uh, hefty, <laughs> both in the components and mechanics. Yeah, I mean, uh, what's up for the Kennerspiel? I don't have the list in front of me. So we've got uh, Carpe Diem, right. uh, Detective, mm-hmm. and Wingspan. Right, okay. <clears throat> those are interesting. Um, yeah, so those those three games, again, like if you look at them, though, they're, I mean, they're weighty, but they're not like, you know, TI4 level of weight yeah, or yeah. Gaia Project weight or anything like that. So it's still within that, that realm of reach for the um, the German game press to say this is still a game that families would enjoy. Of course. Uh, yeah. Maybe with slightly older children, right? Versus... Yeah. Something like, well, that's really just for hardcore gamers. Gamers, yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know, I've talked a lot to Tom, who is the um, kind of president overall person of the Spieliars, and it's it's just interesting to listen to him speak and and see the perspective when we think of it as this oh big great award thing. It it and it is. I mean, it carries its weight. Um, anything that wins the Spieliars or even is nominated for the Spieliars will immediately need to start printing games. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, because the German public will say, oh, that must be good. Yeah. Uh, and so it is one of the only awards out there that actually carries uh, fiscal weight to it, financial That's awards true. for actually yeah. winning it um, or being nominated. And so it's it has a lot of power, but a lot of gamers that I know feel that it doesn't represent the hobby to its fullest extent and i i agree it's not you know yeah. meeting everybody's needs but it does what it does very well and if it tried to be broader i don't think it would actually have the impact that it does no and it, it comes back to this thing again that i think it, and i think it's something that we maybe need to be emphasizing a bit more whenever we do talk about spiel de Yaris is it's a german industry award and reflects the german absolutely people in the german market i mean like, german, yeah. like last year the the panel actually made a statement about um how appalled they were with the standard of some of the german translations yeah. to the point where they they actually um uh, disqualified a number yeah. of uh, potential candidates for the award based on the, the quality of the translation. Yeah. Well, it, it's again, it's for the German people, right? So um, if you translate something poorly and send it on the hope that it gets, you know, past the jury, yeah. that is their job you know, yeah. is to yeah. be the jury to make sure that things that don't meet the standards for the German population, you know, even if it's a good game, don't get past the jury this time yeah. right and and that's i think that's a good thing uh because we can't just you know hope that it'll get nominated and you know because it's a good game no it still has to function as a game for the intended audience yeah and the, the artist's intended audience is german 
Um, so lastly, uh, for the Spiel Diaris talk, we've got the Kinder Spiel Diaris, which hmm. Sen was saying. It's. I mean, if there, if there is anything that that uh, that really states just how much of a a family centric uh, set of awards yeah. the Spiel Diaris is, it's this one where there's one of the three categories is uh, almost well, it is. It's, it's exclusively games uh, designed with children in mind. So we've got. Fabulantica. That's a great name. Go I love Gecko, it. Go Gecko Go. See, you'd like that. It's a herpetology game. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And then we've got Tal der Bikinger. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's by Haba. As long mm. as the Vikings don't have horns on their helmets, I'll um, be happy. I've got bad news for you, Sen. Oh, they do? Yeah, the, 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 the little Viking <laughs> on the front is, uh, is sporting horns. Oh, no. Oh, no. I got to talk to my Haba peeps. <laughs> um, again, inform children that that's incorrect starting out. I know there's uh, they're supposed to be shaping and guiding their little minds, and they're just telling them lies. No lies. <laughs> um, so again, not played any of these, uh, so can't really comment. But I have to say, uh, there's geckos and Vikings, <laughs> so um, I approve. Yeah, so maybe you will be playing. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I will be, yeah. Well, we'll need to get into this. We have a baby due in about a month and a half, so yeah. uh, we need to get into the... We're, uh... we're going to be on the <laughs> the Family Games bandwagon, aren't we? So there you go. Spill the Arts nominations. Um, Good. If you were a betting man, Sen, you get any... any uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful for Wingspan for Kennerspiel, because... Uh, Elizabeth has done great work um, and that would be super cool um, also let's see for the other one I, I've play tested just one so I have like since it was ever um, a thing uh, so for like the past two or three years so I guess I'm, I'm pulling for that one although mm -hmm. uh, Ted and Tony the Alspaches are, are good friends of mine so you never know you never know um <laughs> Detective is a great game. Um, it's an interesting game. I prefer Chronicles of Crime. Okay. okay. For my, for my um, procedural, my police procedural fix. And for um, Kennerspiel, you know, I I have no alliance to any of those uh, designers. So uh, that one, we're going to just, uh, we're going to go with Gecko because I like Gecko. There we go. So two, two oh, sports for geckos. Sometimes yeah. that's what it takes, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I do have friends at Salk, but yeah. yeah. And I was published by Pegasus, and I have friends at Haba. So I have friends all over these places, but uh, <laughs> I do like geckos better. I think I like geckos better than Vikings. Ooh. So yeah, let's go gecko go. And, and and to cheer that out while while they're winning would be great. Right? Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a football cheer. Go geckos go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. There's the Spiel Diaris chat. Um, if you're listening, do let us know what you think. If you have an idea of uh, who'd be the front runner there, or indeed who you think deserves it, if you think any of them even deserve it, we've got some very opinionated people out there, haven't we? So, um, yeah, just love to hear from you, irrespective of uh, of what you have to say. So the other, the last little news item to cover off. So just this week, uh, Modifius Entertainment have announced that they are going to be producing a tabletop 
wargaming game, a miniatures mm-hmm. wargame called The Elder Scrolls Call to Arms. Ooh. So um, last year they they published Fallout Wasteland Warfare. So this is the second licensed game that they've done that's set in a Bethesda game world. Mm-hmm. So the the core mechanics of Wasteland Warfare have been adapted and reworked by Mark Latham. Ah, oh, okay. Um, so Mark Latham is one of the old school Games Workshop guys. Mm-hmm. He was former White Dwarf editor, um, but he's probably most recently well known for uh, the Walking Dead all, all out war oh, game yes. and also the the Harry Potter's uh, very miniature well game. Yeah. yeah, both both uh, pretty popular games. Yeah. Um, it seems as though they're doubling down on the, the co-op element because I think the, the problem, uh, I think, with Wasteland Warfare is when it released, uh, Games Workshop had just relaunched Necromunda yep. and then right after it they brought out Kill Team yeah. as well. But, but this this is the this is the thing about um, miniatures-based games, right, is that you can't really have a collection of... Uh, 100 games the way yeah. you do with board games you yeah. really need to commit to probably to two or three yeah. systems at the moment yeah they're they're lifestyle games right where yeah. a bunch of your time and a bunch of your wallet <laughs> goes yeah, that's it that. and your storage space absolutely yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's funny um i just searched it on google and the first site that came up was pc gamer mm-hmm. which is amazing to me right um that pc gamer is covering tabletop games because it's linked obviously to yeah. the elder scrolls yeah but that is super super neat um i i think it, it's just this kind of thing where we're getting that nice crossover between the analog and the digital side yeah. of gaming um where who knows what that will bring uh the miniatures themselves look pretty impressive i mean modifius's miniatures have always been pretty good so yeah I'm looking forward to that. I enjoyed the Fallout game. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there were some really clever things in there that I would have put in there if I had designed it. I'm a big Fallout fan, so that was that was fun to play. Uh, I my friends went like completely all in, and they they built terrain, and it looks yeah. awesome. So it's 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 definitely uh, an interesting game. Uh, I like the way that the characters are built and how things trigger in. Yeah, in that game, uh, so I, I mean, I look forward to seeing how they've adapted it or reworked it. What did they keep and what did they take away, or what did they change to make it feel more like Skyrim than Fallout? Um, because that would that to me is the the hallmark of good game design, especially when IPs are involved. Is did they consider the IP well enough that I couldn't just throw another IP on there? Like, does this make me feel like I'm in? that world mm-hmm. that's what i want well what one of the things they've said right away is apparently stamina and magicka are resources in the game ah. right um, that makes sense yeah so immediately it's going to feel much more high fantasy yeah um mm-hmm. than than fallout and that that's only right and true of course that um, makes sense and like sen saying they, they've only shown one miniature so far um, and it is quite appropriately the Dragonborn, and he looks phenomenal. He does. Um, I'm hoping that I can snag one of them when I'm at UK Games Expo. Yeah, it looks great. I'm, you know, hopefully you can get a miniature that has an arrow in the knee, and that would be wonderful. 
Oh man, there'll be a conversion if there's not a, yeah. a miniature. Someone, will, sure someone will <laughs> build one up for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, um, we might have an interview with one or two of the people involved in the game coming soon. Well, I will listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Very nice. But yeah, stay tuned for more on that because we will inevitably be covering it as yeah. it comes out. Anyway, that, that is enough about the news. Yes. Uh, we've talked quite a lot about the news, actually. Yes. Well, we got more into discussion about Spooliaris. Yeah. So, Sen, you have been working on a game called Complexity most I recently. Have. So, tell us a bit about that. Uh, so, Complexity is a game that the name doesn't um, tell you the story. The, it's actually quite simple. Um, it's a tiling game, much in the style of like Carcassonne or something like that, where you are building cities. The story is that there's a galaxy far, far away, of course, because it was too close and we'd all be dead too. And there's a, you know, event horizon type critical catastrophic loss, explosion of a star or whatever that's going to kill everybody within a few cycles of, of the sun or something. I don't know. These terms are, are all made up. So, uh, what happens is that the United Space Federation has hired you, all the players, to design the habitat, the complexes, where all of the alien species are going to be shuttled to before the world-ending event happens. And they want you to make it such that all the species from the various planets in that solar system that is doomed to die uh, will coexist peacefully. And so you have to meet the goals and requirements of the different species by listening to what their um, ambassadors want. Uh, and there's a lot of problems that Jay and I, Jay Cormier, the co-designer, and I have with tile-laying games. Part of it is that, you know, in a game like Carcassonne, by the time it's your turn, the table state has changed so much that planning your turn sometimes isn't easy. And so we wanted to stop that. Uh, we wanted to make a game where you could just play like you wanted to play and your city would be your city and that's it. However, we also dislike games where it's, you know, quote unquote, multiplayer solitaire. And so we sort of took a page from Seven Wonders at the time where it's a comparative game. So I'm looking at what you're building. I'm looking at what the person on my left and right are building mm -hmm. in order to say, okay, if I want to win that goal, I better do X, Y, and Z. And when you're doing X, Y, and Z, all X, Y, and Z is, is building your complexes so that they're enclosed. And when you enclose a complex, you put a species marker on it, a habitat marker on it that says this, this complex is mostly controlled by this alien species. And there's four alien species. And when you do that, you collect resources from that alien species and you then can spend those later to do things like change token to change tiles around move them around the place steal a tile from another player those types of things that will allow you to build better cities and complexes and hopefully gain more favor from the ambassadors right um, and so it's actually a really simple game that is somewhere in that uh, gateway style of of level of play but it's super fast um and it's really clean and there's a lot of interaction between players but you still get to do what you want and so i feel that it kind of scratches a lot of those good itches uh that you want to do 
stuff that is beneficial to you, but you don't want people to ruin all your stuff. You want to plan your turn ahead. So you, and you can, and that's why it's so fast, um, without having to really wait for other people to take their turns. So complexity is a game that is just uh, really that kind of good, solid entry level plus a little bit more. Uh, if you're looking for games past, say, Carcassonne or any of those style of games, you say, I like that game, but I want a little bit more. Complexity is the game that will offer that to you. So it was designed by myself and Jay Cormier. Uh, we did Akrotiri and Belfort and a whole bunch of other games, junk art. And then uh, the art is by Quan Chai Moria, who is my brother from another mother. Uh, he <laughs> does art for... Well, all sorts of things like uh, catacombs and overlight and flip ships and all sorts of stuff. So Quan Chai is one of the most prominent illustrators in the game design world right now. And he took a, an interesting take on his art style for complexity. He wanted to try something different and he did. And I think it looks really cool. He, he's using real textures mapped onto his characters oh, so yeah. the real world textures mapped onto the art that he did which is really interesting to see so yeah. it's got this kind of cool interesting vibe to it which is neat so i mean this is what is going to come to kickstarter in july the story of this is though that it already came to kickstarter oh, and okay. did not do as well as the publisher had hoped. And so he pulled it off, okay. uh, you know, three or four days after, and it was sitting at around, you know, I can't remember, like maybe 30 or 40%, somewhere between 30 and 40% funded. And it was this initial blast and things were going good. And then it just sort of stagnated. And this was just right after I finished Kingdom Rush and Kingdom Rush finished over a million. So it was like a million and a million, $1.2 million dollars. Uh, for Kingdom Rush in a 30-day campaign. And coming off of that and then leading into some other very big campaigns like Terraforming Mars and whatnot, I don't think complexity hit the market at the right time, which okay. is a problem, which is a big problem, right? So that's that's the interesting thing about crowdfunding. Crowdfunding is so volatile and so unpredictable that even a really good game made by a really good bunch of designers, art by a great artist, uh, and the publisher who has, you know, not a, he's not a bad reputation, it's just yeah. a publisher, right? Mm -hmm. How does, how do those types of publishers and those types of games compete in a market where miniatures are everything or, you know, all these stretch goals? And so we find that uh, Kickstarter in general, you might find this too, let me know if you think this is true, that the games that do really well on Kickstarter are either really small games that is just an impulse, and I'd say, yeah, I can spend 15, 18 bucks on that, that's fine. Or they're like $90 where you have FOMO, uh, fear of missing out if you don't get it, because you know I'm buying, I'm going all in 220 bucks on everything that Cool Minis or Not is putting into that box, right? And we find in the industry that the games that are in between that tend to not get as much play for some yeah. reason. I, I think a lot of it is the, the, the I can coin a really crappy term here. It's the it's sort of like the um, uh, the Apple uh, syndrome, I guess you could call it, um, whereby it, it the product doesn't necessarily have to be good. 
or better than its competitors, but if it's well advertised and promoted, it'll always do well. Yeah. And I think um, as much as there are cool mini or not games that I have enjoyed, I, I think that you could probably say that a lot of the cool mini or not games are in that category. That they're they're not necessarily offering you a better experience, but they're yeah. just so well promoted. Mm-hmm. And if you're promoting to enough people, eventually you're going to reach yeah. someone that will want to buy that. I've always felt as well, and we've spoken about it, that there's this idea of, I think, especially with board games, there's almost a saturation. You know, there's so many board games on at one point, at one yeah. time now. And we could argue the point that there are maybe certain companies that don't need to be on Kickstarter yeah. to sell their game. Um, you know, and I kind of feel that, well, well, why isn't there? another service why isn't there something else that is a pre-order well it, this is it because or, you know, the, the, well, the other thing is um and i think like sen sort of touched on that when we're talking about complexity being on at the same time as the terraforming mars yeah. um expansion or sequel um was that um ultimately um because the the two two ways that you can publish anything at the moment really is you go to an investor or you get it crowdfunded yeah the problem is that um your investors are more risk averse but have more resources yeah. to put behind you whereas on the other hand crowdfunding is volatile and at the end of the day that's a massive amount of people yeah but all with a very limited amount of resources yeah It's interesting because, and and you're right that um, those distinctions between you know a venture capitalist or whatever investor and a lot of micro investors, um, there are some very big differences in in them in in how they work, and you get those those questions like you were asking, you know, should bigger companies be allowed? And there's, I have, you know, I can see both sides. So mm-hmm. on the pro side, yes, they should be allowed is that every company can have cash flow issues. Yeah. And if people are willing to throw money at something, why wouldn't you take that? That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is, well, you know, if these are always the ones that are pushed to the forefront, how does Kickstarter meet its original intended sort of mission statement of helping people build their dreams? Yeah. Right. And I think it's way far gone. I mean, we're we're five years past that. Oh yeah. Uh, but lists, even lists like the hotness on BGG, they do the same thing. It just the cream rises to the top. Yeah. Or is it the cream? Is it isn't it just the hyped that rises yeah. to the top? And then, so for me personally, it's funny. I find more games that I like in that seven range. Uh, on BGG scores, like if you're rating, if you're going to look at the ratings of it, uh-huh. most of the games that I really actually love are in the seven range. The games that I find in the eight, nine, ten range, it's like I'll play them. It's like wow, that that didn't meet up to the hype at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's this interesting thing where you get all this hype built, so this hype train that started. You know, choo choo, and we're off on the hype. <laughs> train. Um, but is it in the end helpful if the product comes out and it's not as good? As a publisher, you're like, yeah, I made my money. Maybe that's what you want. Yeah. Um, as somebody who's in it for a longer term, it's like, well, maybe I need to do better. I don't know. It's such a hard thing. And humans are so strange about all this stuff. Last year for our choice of game of the year, 
right? What did you pick? Uh, we we picked a picked a game called Koi by Smirk and Dagger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, it was uh, my friends were just playing it uh, the other day at Geekway. I, yeah. I love it. Um, but the the thing that that really surprised us because we we did a, a live show at the beginning of of the year in in the in Glasgow City Centre. Right. Um, we we you know we had some friends around. We um, we hired out a, a little sort of yeah. uh, theatre in uh, in a pub, and um, you know we put some food on for everyone, and we we launched a new logo, and we also uh, announced our uh, game of the year choices uh, for twenty eighteen, and the amount of people that I spoke to uh, just that night alone that had never even heard of Koi. Yeah. I, I was quite surprised that. Well, we know, I mean, because actually there was only one copy of Koi that was stocked in the shop that my mum picked up for your Secret Santa. Um, but having since then, um, they've got more in because there's been, I think, five of our, five of the, even maybe more than that, yeah. you know, have been like, oh, I need to go get this game. I need to go play this game and give it a go. And as much as that's a micro thing, it's really weird that people are actually listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> be like, it's a good game. It's a brilliant game. Right. But I think that's the kind of thing that uh, if more people did that kind of thing where they talked about games that they actually liked instead of yeah. games that were the hype yeah. or that yeah. they felt they had to talk about because it was the hype. I think we'd see better representation across the board in terms of styles of games and and games that were actually profitable. Because the good games are going to make the games that are getting hyped are going to make money, right? It's those ones like Koi that deserve maybe a little more airtime, and it's 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 only people who you know are looking to maybe promote the the scene instead of promote a product that will ever talk about a game like that yeah there's a yeah. there's a bunch yeah. of really really good games that are really really underloved uh because they get overshadowed by things like you know as much as i like big miniatures games with big miniatures yeah. or whatever right <laughs> so it's interesting yeah yeah I have, I have thoughts and feelings on all of these things um so what's the plan for con complexity going forward so complexity going forward um doing all of this stuff, right? Um, so the publisher is hopefully, you know, this is what they'd like to do is look at July. So give us another month and a half to, you know, get that hype train kind of rolling. And it's kind of funny that I'm so, you know, I'm typically not up on the hype train, but, you know, you got to play the game yeah. in some ways to play the game. If you want to be, yeah, if you want to be a starter, you got to play the game. And so we have to work on how do we do that how do we how do we make that happen and it's a lot of marketing um and it's a lot of doing these types of things like talking about the game being present in game sure. spaces going to yeah. conventions and showing the game off those types of things are what's really important as a game designer it's interesting because we want the game to succeed we really do obviously it's our game we love it so it's it's a bit of an interesting thing. I would love for you know all publishers to be experts in marketing. However, they're not all experts in marketing, sure. and we we as game designers should be giving them the tools that they can market with. Like here's a new part of the game, or here's some cool art, or here's a neat design, or whatever. Right? That's what they should be marketing. But they should be the ones marketing the game. 
they should actually probably also be the ones marketing us as the designers in some way, right? For for me though, I don't think there's any real rhyme or reason to um, companies that are willing to um, to let us um, use use product or interview designers or things like that, um, because there there are some companies that um, you know some fairly large companies actually that have quite willingly uh, given us product for doing reviews and yeah. coverage mm-hmm. but then there have been others that have been like weirdly reluctant almost and yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. I think a lot of publishers are, are failing to understand and as, as much as this may sound a, like a bit of my own entitlement here but there's a degree of reciprocity with this like you yeah. you have to be investing in these media channels, it, it, you know, it's it's one of these sort of chicken and egg situations. Like, mm-hmm. do you approach these media outlets once they've got yeah. tens of thousands of followers, or should you really be helping them get there yeah. by giving them things yeah. that they can show off? Well, like I, like you said, I think I think it's reciprocal that you could very well do both. Yeah, yeah, and you could help build trust, and you could help build an ally, right? Yeah. Like, um, so it's it's really interesting there was um for kingdom rush uh vince the owner of lucky duck made 100 prototype copies Uh 100 each of those prototype copies i don't know how much they cost they must cost a bunch because they were full color printed it's only one scenario out of or three scenarios out of the you know 26 Mm -hmm. or so but they had the miniatures in there you know they had much of the parts that will be in the in the final box and he sent out hundreds of them yeah like not only just produce them but then had to mail them all from poland or france and so that to me is you know showing the commitment in understanding how media will help promote the game help bring views help bring backers help make those conversions happen right um, and I, I get that smaller publishers can't always do that, but at some level, it's not a game anymore where you can build, you know, build it and they will come, yeah. you know, it's not that it's, that's not the game anymore. The game is you need to bring an audience to Kickstarter day one. Yeah. yeah. And so you should have been starting this day 90 before yeah. day negative 90, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Getting all those. Yeah. Proto- prototype copies out, getting them played, correcting any rules errors so people aren't playing them wrong yeah. when they're showing them. Yeah. Um, you know, getting people to then record their playthroughs or their um, previews or whatever we're calling them now, because it's not a review, right? And it's, yeah. if it's paid and it's a paid preview, then yeah. we're, then the publisher is paying you for your reach, you know? So there's all this sort of other interesting stuff that's going on right now in terms of what is media, how does the media get funded uh, to do what they need to do without directly being tied to the publisher? So yeah, I've been thinking a lot about media and game media and things like that as well. So it's, 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 it's just interesting to think about how does that play into Kickstarter? How does that play into the games we design, right? When we're talking yeah. about the Spiel des Jahres, and if you want to win a Spiel des Jahres, you kind of have to design to that award. It's a really yeah. kind of interesting thing to think yeah. about, right? That I'm sure yeah. most people don't think about that. Most designers are just like, I'm just going to design a game, and it happens to fall in that. But I bet you, if you did it uh, like a 
meta-analysis of all the kicks of all the games that have won the Spiel Diaras over the many years, you could probably come up with a formula that would say my best chance would be to design a game like this. Yeah, because yeah. I think um, is the where where you really begin to see that is when you look at the uh, designers that have won the most Spiel Diaras awards. Yep, and it's the same like it's the same like three or four names that pop up consistently um it's a bit like people talk about um certain films being oscar bait don't they it's like Mm -hmm. there's this idea as well that you can produce a film uh with with the academy in mind i remember years ago um uh, do you remember that film James McAvoy and Keira Knightley were in Atonement? Yeah. That had oh, Oscar yeah, yeah. bait written all over it. You know, <laughs> the the weird sort of existentialist shots of like a frog in between the 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 chaos of human life, or like a <laughs> like a little bee hopping from flower to flower and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. So, so what is what is next for complexity? Though you were saying it's coming. In so July. July, so yeah, it'll be coming out in July, and I think that's that's uh, we're going to be working on building up towards that. Um, I think it's coming out just before Origins. So, oh, actually, no, it's after Origins. So July 9th, because Origins is in June. So it'll be between Origins and um, Gen Con, which is probably the best time to do it. Um, so hopefully, the publisher will be. Big Kid Games is the publisher. Hopefully, they'll be taking it to Origins and showing it around there. That would be great. Um, maybe doing some demos, getting people talking about it some more. Uh, for our end of things, I mean, he may ask us to make some more content for it. And that's an interesting thing. So we've also recently been talking about that amongst designers is how do we design for Kickstarter? And how do we protect ourselves from having to do more work than what we, we actually signed? Yeah. Right. And it's interesting. So a lot of the publishers would say, well, you know, it's going to make you more residuals in the end. It's like, yeah, but is it worth the 30 hours that I'm putting into designing it and play testing it and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah. They just want yeah. a little widget to sell. Yeah. That's what they're looking for. Um, we have talked at considerable length. So <laughs> I think that's probably about all we've got time for. Yeah. Excellent. But, um, Sen, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, we'll not a problem. Yeah, it was uh, it was wonderful talking to you. Yeah, yeah, and you, and for our listeners, uh, wherever you are, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. See ya.